Hi there, this is Kevin Skinner, pastor at First Baptist Church in Stockdale, Texas, and welcome to our weekly message podcast. If you live in the Stockdale area, then I would invite you to join us every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. to worship with us in person. You can also check out our webpage at fbcstockdale.org. Here at First Baptist, we are a community church with a kingdom mission, and we invite you to join us on that mission. So back in... 1983, a manufacturer by the name of Audio-Technica released a portable record player by the name of Mr. Disc Music System. And they touted this portable record player as being no bigger than a man's shoe. So this, this music system, this Mr. Disc Music System, it had a, a battery compartment, a headphone jack, and a tiny arm that could play LPs and 45s. Anybody still listen to LPs and 45s out there? I have a few at my house right now. So the problem with this portable record player is that it really wasn't that portable. While you could take it anywhere with you, if you were playing music on it, it still had to be laying on a flat surface, and it could not be moved while it was playing those records. And so this posed a problem for the Mr. Disc music system because around the same time, Sony released their portable cassette player called the Walkman. So out of the two portable music systems, which one do you remember more, the Mr. Disc music system or the Walkman? Right? Yeah. The Walkman, uh, man, that played a big part in my childhood. (laughs) I wore some cassette tapes out in the backseat of the car on road trips, just listening to my own music. But I would also take that Walkman with me on my bike rides. And so, man, I was cool. I would get on my bicycle. I'd attach that Walkman to my, my belt. And I would put those headphones on, and I would hit play. And as I rode around the neighborhood, I would listen to I Get Around by the Beach Boys. <laughs> yeah, I was hip driving up and down the, the same old street. Now, as we think about music and songs, music really does play a big part in our lives, so much so that we have looked for ways to to be able to take our music with us wherever we go, whether we're at home, whether we're in the car, or whether we are riding around on our bicycle, we have developed ways to take our music with us. So last week, we launched this new series, A Soundtrack for Life, and each week, we're just looking at a different song in the book of Psalms. Last week, we looked at Psalm chapter 5. Today, we're going to be in Psalm chapter 8. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Psalm chapter 8. It's only nine verses in total, so we're going to read the entirety of chapter 8 this morning. Psalm chapter 8, verses 1 through 9. Now, as you're turning there, let me just set this up for you. As we look at Psalm chapter 8, Psalm chapter 8 is really a meditation of David. Uh, Have you ever met someone that just tells you what's on their mind, right? You don't have to wonder what they're thinking. They let you know. They can't keep it in what they're thinking. Uh, As we look at this particular song, David is is revealing to us what's on his mind. And and what we see, what's on his mind is the Lord. He, he, He is thinking about the Lord, and as he thinks about the Lord and as he's overwhelmed with the greatness of his God, he just can't keep those thoughts to himself. And so, so birthed from his thoughts, we see this song here in Psalms chapter 8. Because he just can't keep the greatness of God to himself. You know, as I think about that, I think, man, let that be true of our lives as well. 
man, as we think about the greatness of God, may we not keep the greatness of God to ourselves. May we be compelled, as we are overwhelmed by the greatness of God, may we be compelled to share our God with others. Because here's the reality. We don't keep great things to ourselves. We tell others about it. We don't keep great things to ourselves. We tell others about it. If we see a great movie or if we have a great meal at a restaurant, we are going to tell others about it. When we got back from our our trip to Gulf Shores, Alabama, as I would share with different people about our, our trip, I made sure to tell them about the lobster ravioli that I had at Papa Rocco's. We had some good meals in, in Gulf Shores, but that meal, mm, that meal was, that was a great meal. That lobster ravioli. I went to bed thinking about that lobster ravioli. I woke up thinking about that lobster ravioli, and I tried to get, convince my family to go back to that restaurant one more time. But there were more restaurants than we had days, and they wanted to try other things. Uh, so if you're going to Gulf Shores, Alabama, take me with you so I can get some more of that lobster ravioli. But, but we don't keep great things to ourselves. We tell others about it. So David, is he's not thinking about a great movie. He's not thinking about a great meal. He's thinking about his God and the greatness of his God. And so as he thinks about the greatness of his God, he's overwhelmed and he begins to declare the greatness of God. And so that's what we see here in Psalms chapter 8. So let's read this right now. Psalms 8, 1 through 9 says, Lord, our Lord, how magnificent is your name throughout the earth. You have covered the heavens with your majesty. From the mouths of infants and nursing babies, you have established a stronghold on account of your adversaries in order to silence the enemy and the avenger. When I observe your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you set in place, what is a human being that you remember him, a son of man that you look after him? You made him little less than God and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all the sheep and oxen, as well as the animals in the wild, the birds of the sky and the fish of the sea that pass through the currents of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how magnificent is your name throughout the earth. Now, as we look at this passage this morning, I want to begin by highlighting What David says there at the very beginning of verse 1, he says, Lord, our Lord. Now, as you look at those words printed in Scripture, you will notice that the first time David says, Lord, all those letters are capitalized. And the second time David says, Lord, there, only the first letter is capitalized. And that's because David is saying two different things. Uh, The first time that we see David say that word, Lord, and all those letters are capitalized He is referring to God as his proper name, the the name by which the Jews knew him as, Yahweh. But the second time that we see David say that word, Lord, and only the first letter is capitalized, he's referring to God by his positional name, recognizing that that God is Lord over all things, but, but personally, God is Lord over David. So not only is, is David recognizing who God is, the Lord, he's also saying, you are Lord over me. So let me just pause right here and ask, what is God's position in your life? 
Do you still only know him as God, the creator? Maybe as the man upstairs, do you still only know him as, as God that is over all things? Or do you know him as Lord, the one that you submit your life to, the one who is over you? And let me tell you, that's, that's really two different things in knowing Lord as, as God alone and knowing Lord as Lord over you that you have submitted your life to. In fact, James chapter 2 tells us, he, he, James is talking about true faith, and he says in verse 19, you believe that God is one, good, even the demons believe and they shudder. You see, the demons know who God is, yet they have failed to submit to the lordship of God. The demons know God by his proper name. They know that he is God, but they have failed to submit to his lordship. They have failed to allow him to be the Lord over them. And God's desire is that we would be different from the demons, that, that we wouldn't simply know who he is, that he is God, that he's the one that created everything, that he's in that position of God, but that we would also know him as Lord. God's desire is that we would know him personally as Lord, that, that we would allow him to be in that position of Lord over our lives. And so if you would say that you don't know God as Lord, then my prayer would be today that you wouldn't just know him today as God over all, but you would know him as Lord over you. And so because David knows God not only as Lord over all, but also as his own personal Lord, that he is the one that he submits to as he sits there and he dwells on how great God truly is, he begins to continue and declare God's magnificence. And that's what we see in the rest of this psalm, David declaring God's magnificence. And so we're going to look at three, three things here in David's song as to why God's name is magnificent. So first, God's name is magnificent because of his majesty. God's name is magnificent because of his majesty. Let's look at the entirety of verse 1 now. It says, Lord, our Lord, how magnificent is your name throughout the earth. You have covered the heavens with your majesty. God's name is magnificent because of his majesty. Now, another word that we could use there for majesty is glory. And what we see is that God has displayed his glory in the heavens. Now, that word that, that he uses there for heavens, he's not referring to the place where God resides in heaven, but he's talking about the sun, the moon, the stars, the universe. Really, everything that God has created, God has created it to point back to his glory, to bring glory to him, to reveal just how great he truly is. So, uh, my parents are here with us today. My, my dad, after serving in full time ministry here, he went into uh, he, he went on to become a teacher and a professor. And after serving for several years as a teacher, he received many awards over the years. And so if you go into their house and you go up the stairs of the second floor, you will see this wall of awards, all right, covered in, in all of his awards. Now, in and of themselves, these awards are just sheets of paper, right? Apart from the recipient of the award, apart from my dad receiving this award, these, these sheets of paper are really irrelevant. And so to become enamored with the sheets of paper, to become enamored with the award, apart from knowing my dad, right, would be foolishness. 
because the awards were meant to point to the recipient. The awards were meant to point to my dad. So in the same way, as God has laid out creation before us, it is to point us back to him. It is to point us to his glory. And so to become enamored by creation, to elevate creation above the creator, apart from knowing the creator, is complete foolishness. Because we're not meant to simply know the moon and the stars and, and the sky and, and the animals and the plants. We're not meant to simply know all of these things. These things are meant to point us back to God. And they're, they're, the point is, is so that we will worship a mighty God. And so let me just ask today, where is the focus of your worship today? Where's the focus of your worship? And before you just jump to the answer that you know you're supposed to give, right? We know where our worship's supposed to be. Let me just ask you, pause and allow God to search your heart. Because I think all too often, all too often our worship becomes centered on other things in this world. Our, our worship so often becomes focused on the created things instead of the creator himself. Whether we're worshiping money, stuff, our houses, cars, or even sometimes we elevate people to a high level and we begin worshiping individuals in our lives or individuals in culture instead of worshiping the one true God, the creator. And so ask yourself, is my worship centered on the creator or is my worship centered on the created? And if you would honestly say to yourself, you know what? There are things in my life that the created things that I am worshiping over the creator. Then, then let me just encourage you, like David, begin to meditate on the greatness of God. As you look at those created things, allow them to point you back, not to their own greatness, but allow them to point you back to the greatness of God himself that your worship might shift off of the created and onto the creator. So God's name is magnificent because of his majesty, because of his glory. Second, God's name is magnificent because of his mindfulness. Let's read verses 3 and 4 again. It says, When I observe your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you set in place, what is a human being that you remember him? Other translations say, What is a human being that you are mindful of him, a son of man that you look after him? God's name is magnificent because of his mindfulness. So there was a period of time before I was in full-time ministry. Sarah and I, we were still living up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and, and we began to visit a, a larger church. We actually ended up joining this church for a short period of time. But this church, like I said, it was a larger church, several hundred people, and, uh, and it had two services every Sunday morning. So there was a crowd of people every single week. Now, there's nothing wrong with larger churches. We, we loved our time at that church. We loved the people that we got to know at that church during that time. So nothing wrong with larger churches. But it, it is also very possible in larger churches at times to, to get lost in the crowd and, and to maybe even feel like a nobody. Yet one Sunday morning, as Sarah and I were sitting there, this was before we had even joined. We were visiting the church. We're sitting there in our seats waiting for the service to begin. And the pastor walked up to us and greeted us by name. And I was kind of caught off guard. I, I thought, in a, in a room this size, in a crowd this size, 
who am I that he would know me by name? Which, by the way, that encounter stuck with me. So when, when I'm walking around on Sunday mornings greeting you, it's because of the influence of that pastor in, in my life. Because in a crowd where it was so easy to feel insignificant, that pastor made me feel significant. As David meditates on the magnificence of God here in this passage, as he meditates on all the works of his hands, the moon, the stars, the universe, there's this sense that, that we live in a world where it's very easy to get lost in the crowd. It's very easy to feel insignificant, maybe even to feel like nobody cares. And yet, we're reminded that we have a God that knows us. He doesn't just know us. He knows us by name. We have a God that is mindful of us. And maybe you need to be reminded of that simple truth today, that God is mindful of you, that in the midst of all of his creation, in the midst of all the people in this world and in the midst of everything else he has created, you have a God that doesn't just know you, but he knows you by name. And maybe you need to be reminded of that because maybe you came here today feeling just kind of lost in the crowd, feeling insignificant, feeling like a nobody, feeling maybe like you don't matter. So I want you to hear this today. You matter. You matter to God. God knows you. He is mindful of you. You matter to God. And how do I know this? Because of Jesus. God proved his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus is the proof of God's love for us. God doesn't just tell us that he cares for us. He doesn't just tell us that he loves us. He showed us that he loves us through Jesus Christ by sending Jesus to the cross to die for your sins and for mine. You matter to God. Listen, God didn't send Jesus into this world to die for the plants, to die for the animals, to die for any of the other creation. God sent Jesus into this world to die for you and for me because he is mindful of humans. So God's name is magnificent because of his majesty and because of his mindfulness. Finally this morning, God's name is magnificent because of his mandate. Let's read verse 6 again. It says, you made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet. God's name is magnificent because of his mandate. Now, as we look at David's word here, words here, he's really referring to the mandate that was given to Adam and Eve when God created mankind. Because back in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, we read, Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. You see, when God created mankind, he gave a mandate to us that we would rule over, that we would take authority over the things of this world. And, and this mandate that was given to us what was really part of us being a creation that, that wouldn't simply bring glory to him, but that we would reflect his image. None of the other things that God created reflects God's image. It all brings him glory, but humans were created and we were given this mandate so that we might reflect his image as we rule over the plants, as we rule over the animals, as we rule over his creation. But once again, this mandate 
is to bring glory back to God. That as we rule over these things and as we reflect his image, that it would bring glory to God. So I want you to hear this. This mandate is not about the glory of humans. This mandate is about the glory of God. This mandate is not about humans. It's about the glory of God. God didn't give this mandate to mankind so that we could puff our chests out and say, look how great we are. God gave us this mandate so that we could say, look how great God is as we reflect him in what we do. But here's the reality. Even as we try to accomplish this mandate, I believe that we cannot truly accomplish this mandate apart from Christ because of sin. Because what happens so often in this world is instead of ruling over creation, many times we become enslaved to the things of this world. We allow ourselves, because of sin, to become enslaved to the things of this world. And so we fall short in fulfilling this mandate to reflect God, to bring glory to God. But I want you to hear this. Jesus did not fall short. Jesus did not fall short. In fact, Jesus came and he became the creation that was created to reflect his image. He came and he did it perfectly. And he went to the cross and he died so that we might be set free from our sins, so that we might be set free from the things that enslave us in this world. And this is what the author of Hebrews tells us. In Hebrews chapter 2, we're told that it's truly Christ that has fulfilled this mandate because through Christ's death and resurrection, what Hebrews chapter 2 tells us is that all things have been placed under his feet. All things have become subject to him. This is why this mandate is so beautiful. Because not, not only did God give this mandate to mankind, but as we fall short, God himself came into this creation to fulfill this mandate on our behalf. So that when we give our lives to him, it's then that we are able to truly reflect his image and bring him glory. That's what this mandate is about. And through Christ, we are able to do it. So hear this. Apart from Christ, we cannot fulfill this mandate. But in Christ, we can. Apart from Christ, we cannot fulfill this mandate. But in Christ, we can. It is through the submission of our lives to Jesus Christ, the one who has already fulfilled this mandate, that we are able to reflect his image and bring glory to God. And so as David meditates on this mandate here, as he meditates on the magnificence of God, he sings a song rejoicing in how great and how magnificent the name of God is. God's name is magnificent because of his majesty, because of his mindfulness, and because of his mandate. And as we meditate on the magnificence of God's name ourselves, may this also be a soundtrack for our lives. Now, as David closes out this Psalms, he brings us back to what he said at, at, in verse 1. He, he closes with, O Lord, our Lord, once again, recognizing the position or the proper name of God, but also the position of God, that, that God is Lord over him. And so if you're here today and you would say that, that you, you know who Jesus is, but you've not submitted your life to him, then I want to give you the opportunity. And, and I would ask this question, do you know Jesus not simply as the Lord, but do you know him as your Lord and if you don't, then as we sing this last song today, would you respond? So in just a moment, we're going to sing another song.
And this is going to be your opportunity to respond to whatever it is that God's doing in your heart and in your life in these final moments. And if you're here and you would say, that's me. I've never submitted my life to the lordship of Jesus Christ, but today I'm ready to do that. Then as we sing, would you step out of your seat and join me down here? Let's talk. Let's pray. Today you can know Jesus not just as the Lord, but you can know him as your Lord. And maybe you're here and you would say, I've given my life to Christ, but I've never followed with baptism, just like Kelly did today. But I'm ready to make that decision as well. I'm ready to take that step to publicly profess my faith in Christ. If that's you, then I would invite you to respond as well. We can talk, we can pray, we can make that commitment for baptism together this morning. Now maybe you're here and you would say, I've given my life to Christ. I've been baptized by immersion already. I've been visiting First Baptist Church Stockdale. And I know that God's calling me to join this church body. To, to be a part of what God is doing here at First Baptist Church Stockdale. If that's you, then I would invite you to respond as well. Whatever it is that God's calling you to do in these final moments, I would just encourage you to respond obediently. Would you stand with me right now and let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Thanks for listening to our weekly message podcast. At the end of every service, I offer an invitation to respond, and I'd like to invite you to respond today. If you'd like to make Jesus Christ your Lord, or if you'd like information about membership here at First Baptist Stockdale, then head on over to fbcstockdale.org respond. Your response will come directly to me, and I'll follow up with you this week. God bless you, and have a great week.